Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. Uh, that's a new presenting sponsor, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, so Manscaped, if you don't know, is a manscaping company, and manscaping is basically taking care of the body hair on men in all of the different sorts of places it can grow. Uh, if you're like me and you have over seven chest hairs, then maybe manscaping is for you because eventually you get to like the number of chest hairs where you should keep them. I'm not there yet. I'm not even in the realm. Like, I'm not sure whether it's like 20 of them or like a hundred of them. All I know is that if I have seven chest hairs, I look uh, not good um, in situations where I don't want to not look good. So I take care of those using my lawnmower 3.0, which is incredible, which Manscaped hooked all the DNVR crew up. With, well, the, the men, this is one of the few things that isn't great for Allie and Lindsay. Well, actually, well, never mind. Uh, but yeah, so we got hooked up. We took care of it. If you guys listened to the last pod, you know that I thought that I should trim my leg hair. Shouldn't have. It got worse, actually. When you look at it now, it makes even less sense than it did before. It's weird to trim it. Um, I know there are some guys out there who shave it. I only know that because my roommate told me to make me feel better. Um, and then he pulled up, we, we, we had a friend down here. He's actually like a strength guy up at Wyoming, but he worked for like LSU's football program. And like, I think George's, um, he, my roommate was like, Oh no, I think he, I think he shaves his legs. I was like, Oh no way. And then he looked on the Instagram and he doesn't. Um, so immediately, like, it's not even like I was back to the headspace I was in. I, it was actually like a worse spot. Um, to the point though, manscaping is important so 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 important um for your own health your own hygiene but also because if you have somebody else in your life who might appreciate it then it's something that you can do so easily to make them happy as well so do it because manscaped is a great company their trimmers are those those trimmers are incredible they took off all like eight of my chest hairs uh, I, I guess I was saying over seven. I was going to tease that maybe there could be more than just eight. Uh, cats out of the bag now, though. Um, took care of a whole bunch of different other sorts of hair and then got to my legs and was like, huh, and took off a whole bunch of leg hair. You don't even realize the longest setting on one of those trimmers, it'll just, it'll, like, uh, it gets plenty. Um, so while I really do not suggest it for your legs, I suggest it for everything else. It's Lawnmower 3.0. It comes in an incredible box. Um, they have different products as well. Um, 
basically to keep you healthy and keep you looking your very best. So, so definitely be jumping all over this. Um, we're super excited to be working with them. And uh, if you use the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com, you can get 20% off and free shipping. So there you go. Do it. Um, let's talk about some sports now. Uh, like I said, uh, this is the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped, not the DNVR Manscaped podcast presented by Buffs. Um, if you didn't know that, though, the last three and a half minutes would have led you to believe it's the other way. Okay. Um, today on the show, I want to talk about Pac-12 football. Um, we we have It's been a while. I think after last season, we did kind of a look back on the whole conference and then looking ahead to next season. Um but a lot has changed over the last few months, including some coaches and all sorts of stuff. Um, so we're going to dig into Pac-12 football, what to expect, who stacks up where, can the Buffs make a run at the Pac-12 South or the Pac-12 at a whole as a whole, or are they going to uh, finish, what, were they second to last this year? I think they were second to last, but two games out of first. Um, Should have probably pulled my notes up for this tease. Uh, but before we get to that, I do want to talk about Two other things. Uh, one that I don't think we touched on. Oh, no, we touched on it a little bit. Um, but I'm not sure if I've said this clearly. Um, McKinley Wright, Tyler Bay, they have declared for the NBA draft. They are all going through the D- or not the DMVR, the, the NBA draft process, um, working out with teams, meeting with teams. And obviously, like, this is all tweaked a little bit because of coronavirus. Um, but. That's how that all works. And then, and again, I'm using the dates that they have made public, um, even though all of these are very likely to shift. But uh, in late May, I think it's something like May 22nd, May 23rd is the NBA Combine, um, which is just like the NFL Combine, but gets very little attention. Um, And then the NCAA allows players to come back to college like release their agent come back to college um, as long as they do it within 10 days of the combine so you can go through all the testing talk to all the scouts and it isn't necessarily even hearing from the scouts from gms um, just all sorts of nba officials whether you're going to get drafted or where you're going to get drafted it's also about learning what you need to improve um, if you have extra college eligibility so tyler bay and mckinley wright there was a 100% chance that they were going to say they were going to the NBA draft. Now, we don't know whether they're doing it because they actually want to go to the NBA this summer or whether they're just checking in on their stock. McKinley's out there hearing, oh, we want you to put your head down and drive more often and maybe show just a little bit more with your left hand. Those are the two big knocks. That's what's making you the undrafted instead of a late second round pick that's the difference and then he can put that in the back of his mind figure out how he can work on those things show it on tape during next year's college basketball season and then when he goes back and talks to them they're like oh wow not only are those not only are we going to bump you up to a late second rounder because you solved those two problems we might even bump you up a little bit higher because you took our feedback you digested it you worked into your game and we know that you have that in you. Now, if he struggles to improve the areas they say, then it could go the other way. But 
that's what this whole process is meant for. Um, it's, it's a conversation, not just about where you're going, but why you would go where you should go, um, who you should work with, all that kind of stuff. Plus just making those connections, going into meetings. Um, you know, if for me personally, um, there are guys who I've covered in the past who I'll like turn on the TV when I know they're playing just because it's like, oh, and this doesn't happen anymore, coronavirus. But but back when we had sports, I would turn it on just be like, oh, yeah, I like watching you. I like seeing what you can do. I, you know, you want to follow the guy. And for McKinley, he goes and meets with, who knows, the Warriors GM. And the Warriors GM is like, oh, wow, yeah, this is a, we really like your game. Like work on these things. They have a good talk. Then when the Warriors GM's watching him play, he's like, oh, there's that kin. We like that kin. And and it just gets gets you in their minds a little bit earlier. Um, you, they have Give them favorites throughout the, the whole draft process next year. Uh, at the same time, it could be that McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay have their mind set on going to the NBA or that they could have their mind in other places um, just trying to learn or develop these relationships or you know, maybe maybe one of them realizes, hey, maybe I'm not great at the interview process. Um, let's do some practice interviews because that's a good skill to develop and you don't want to go into the, the whole process blind when it is time to go to the NBA. Like, let yourself know what you're getting into, practice the interviews, and then handle the interviews better next time. You know, it's, it's all that sort of stuff. Um and the fact that they are deciding to go through this process does not mean one way or another um, that they're staying or going. Um, so that's all stuff to keep in your brain for the next few months as we kind of go through all of this and see where the team stands next year. Um, also, Antonio Alfano. Um, I don't know that we've talked about this at all on the podcast, which is an oversight on my part, but he is suspended indefinitely. And um, my understanding is that it wasn't just one incident that got him to this point. Um, kind of just been little things building up. And there was some frustration throughout the program, not just like with the coaches and not just with the support staff and not just, but everybody was just kind of like, okay, it's kind of time to get things together. Let's get moving. Um, and uh, I think the coaching change may have changed some things. Um, not in terms of like the length of the leash, but, you know, coaches get tied to guys. Antonio Alfano was definitely a Mel Tucker guy. Mel Tucker, you know, this was kind of his prized recruit. Um it was, then there were actually been a couple of those really, but, but Antonio Fano was the one that people looked at and said, okay, you have Visca who's, you know, a first round talent, actually like a top 10 talent, probably going to go in the second round now because of everything else that's happened, but he's gone. Next up is Antonio Alfano is your first round talent. Um, and he's going to develop, he's going to play all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of Mel's project because there were some character concerns not I hate that phrase character concerns because it it's used in ways that it shouldn't be you know some guys are irresponsible that doesn't mean that they're like bad guys I don't um but yeah so Antonio Alfano he 
he had a different sort of relationship. You know, Mel kind of needed him to succeed. Same thing when you see like a new GM take over a team and it's like, yeah, we we want this second year quarterback who that we spent a first round pick on to be good, but that was actually the last staff and it doesn't look bad for me if it doesn't pan out. Um, and and so when you have this new staff and, and everybody kind of knows that Antonio Alfano um, maybe is still not quite getting himself up to speed, whatever. Um, that it's, it's a lot easier to say, Hey, this isn't our guy. We don't want guys who aren't fully bought in inside this program. And so we're going to suspend him. Maybe it works out in the end. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but those are some thoughts there. Um, it's disappointing for sure. Um, and I don't know for sure exactly what it was that ended up being the reason he got suspended. Um, but it's it's just frustrating more than anything um, when when somebody is that talented um, and he very obviously is you know he's the number one recruit in his entire high school class uh, he he in in more tests than not he performed better than Nick Bosa um, when you compare Nick Bosa in the NFL Combine to Antonio Alfano in a high school, the regional testing thing. Um, so yeah, tons of upside, doesn't know how to put it together, and if you don't know how to put it together, then it's all kind of worthless. Um, rooting for him, for sure. Um, so, um, let's move on, because those are the key points. And before we dig into the Pac-12, the North and the South, and the teams that are kind of in the middle. Um, I want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, which is the best way to get through being cooped up in your house. Uh, I did not leave the apartment today. Uh, Didn't go outside. Pretty much just hung right here. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But tonight was the DNVR watches with Love is Blind. Got to have a couple of Breck brews for that and tweet, and that's exactly what we did. Um, tonight was Strawberry Sky. Strawberry Sky is an incredible beer. If you guys haven't tried it yet, you have to. Um, you should come try it at the DNVR bar when it reopens, which hopefully will be soon. We have no idea. Um, but until then, use that beer locator at the Breckenridge Brewery website, and it will tell you exactly where to go to... Uh, Find the Strawberry Sky or the Vanilla Porter Jr. or the Hot Peak or the Colorado Core, the Avalanche, whatever you want to try, it'll tell you where to go. Um, also, I heard that on the show, I didn't see it tonight, but on Love is Blind, I guess one of the girls was wearing a Breckenridge shirt. Um, somebody who was watching noticed, but I didn't catch it and I couldn't rewind because I got to stay stinked up with everybody. Um, yeah. Drink some Breckenridge beers. Um, it's a good way to support a local business. Um, so, yeah. Also, uh, Bojo's Pizza. Very important to note that they are still delivering um, despite the things that are going on in the world. So, you can get delivery through DoorDash. Um, you can pick up pizza. Um, again, a local business. We want to support those. And... It's 30% off takeout uh, when when you ask for it. So they aren't just going to automatically do it. But if you say like, hey, I heard on DMDR that 
you're taking 30% off all takeout orders, they'll take off 30%. It's a great deal. Um, so yeah, again, local business, tough times for everybody. Um, the more pizzas we buy, the more jobs they supply. So yeah. Um, like I said, DoorDash, there's six Colorado locations. Um, the takeout order is 30% off. It's great pizza. I've told you all about it in the past. They put natural honey in their dough. Um, and there's really just nothing like it. So get one of those big Colorado mountain pies. Those are, those are the ones that make it all worth it. Okay. Let's start digging in. Um, I put together kind of my list, like a power ranking of what I expect, um, out of the Pac-12 teams this year. And while I was doing it, I realized that there really aren't front runners. Um, well, I mean, they're front runners, but there are no very clear top dogs, uh, which is exciting. And, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect Colorado to make a run this year, if we're being totally honest. You know, anything is possible, I think, in this conference. I think anybody could wind up being the number one, but Colorado wouldn't be at the top of that list. So, um, the top of that list is Oregon. Uh, it, it's it's kind of tough to pick a team to go number one because so many of them are changing quarterbacks, um, including Oregon. After having Justin Herbert there uh, for four years, they are moving on to uh, somebody new. Um, again, though, the infrastructure on this team, the talent that they have at various positions on offense, on defense, the skill players, the linemen... Um, Penny Sewell, for example, is going to be a top three pick as a left tackle. Um, he's ineligible for this year's draft, but he'll be eligible next year. Um, just everywhere. It makes you think that they should be fine. Um, whether they'll have the quarterback to actually take first in the Pac-12, you know, that's that's an unknown, but you're confident that they have all of the other pieces. CJ Verdell um, is going to be a junior at running back, and I think you can make an argument that he will be the uh, best running back in the conference. They rotate him with Travis Dye, who will also be a junior. That's a that's a good combination. Um, really like both those guys. Like those both could be NFL guys. Verdell might be a lock already um the receivers they lose Juwan Johnson their big guy um but they're kind of going to be able to replace him with Brian Addison who's also six foot five and will be um a sophomore next year um I I believe Jalen Red is spending another year at Oregon because this is such a deep receiver class um don't necessarily know that he would have been um drafted I would guess he'd be a late round pick um but he's he's a shifty little guy he's a speedy guy he can make plays and he's coming back for his senior year um so they have some talent there for sure at receiver um they do lose a bunch of this offensive line um they lose four starters um all seniors but even if they take a step back next year, I think that they have the talent that by the end of the year, 
You're not like their, their offensive line isn't going to be a problem because they're just going to keep cycling guys through um, because that is such a strength and and they have that talent backing these guys up. Plus, you have Penny Sewell returning as I mentioned before, um, and he will be the best offensive lineman in the country next year. So that'll help. Um, then you look at the defense. Obviously, you start with Kayvon Thibodeau, who was a monster as a true freshman. Um, the number one recruit in the country, defensive end. Um, he'll be back. Um, they're bringing back the entire defensive line. They lose Troy Dye at linebacker, uh, who will be a draft pick, likely a third-round pick. That's a big loss. But again, they have some talent in behind him. Um, cornerbacks are back. Both safeties are back. Brady Breeze, the safety who really burst onto the scene last year, he's going to be a senior. Um, he's going to be like the leader of that defense. I like it. Uh, they just have so many pieces that even though the question mark is at the most important position, I'm I'm still betting on them getting, you know, if they have an average Pac-12 quarterback next year, I think that they're favorites to win the conference. Um, number two team. In the Pac-12 going into next season, uh, USC. This one is a little bit tougher because so much of what USC struggles with um, is tough to project. So you know they have a quarterback. You know they have Keaton Slovis, who was phenomenal this year as a freshman. Um, I think that he... uh, he might be a little bit overhyped because he's from USC. I don't necessarily think he's a Heisman contender the way that s- some people do. Um, but he is a very good quarterback. And I think that maybe as a uh, you know a junior or senior, then he could be in that conversation. I think it'd be pretty quick next year, but I do think that he is a top three quarterback minimum going into next year. Um, Bringing back the running backs. Uh, They lose Michael Pittman, who's going to the draft, the receiver, but they bring back Tyler Vaughns, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Devin Williams, so many guys backing him up. Like it's, it's USC is really just a farm for receivers. Uh, They, there's so much receiver talent in LA. USC kind of takes its pick of the entire bunch. It's, it's never a good thing to lose um, a, a third-round pick in the NFL draft, but, again, USC is just stocked at that position. Um, they should be bringing back the entire offensive line outside of Austin Jackson, um, who is probably like a second-round pick in the draft as of right now. Um, that's a big loss, your left tackle. But... Again, they have one piece to patch. Everybody else gets another year of development. They should be fine. Um, looking at the defense, uh, they they were very young there as well. One senior on the defensive line uh, starting, one senior at linebacker, and then no seniors in the secondary. So they're basically just running it back defensively. Um, those are good signs. The question with USC is whether the coaching is any good. Uh, you know they have the talent. They've had the talent for forever. You know, maybe their quarterback play was a little bit disappointing considering that this is USC, but 
they have that figured out now. And if Clay Helton can't get this team together this year and, you know, maybe not even win the Pac-12 South, but finish second at worst, then I think he's got to be out of a job. Um, they they finished 7-2 and two in conference play um, after starting the season 1-3. I guess they didn't start the season because they played uh, Notre Dame mid-year. But 1-3 in non-conference play, that's not good enough. Um, 7-2 and two in conference play, it could be a little bit better. Um, but that's the number two team. So number one, Oregon. Number two, USC. Number three, Arizona State. Um, and this was a tough one because you're projecting them to improve again. You know, they only finished four and five in conference last year, which doesn't sound right considering everything that we've all been saying about Jaden Daniels. Um, but yeah, so Jaden Daniels comes back. He's right up there with Keaton Slovis as the top quarterbacks in the conference. I probably put Slovis just ahead of Jaden Daniels. Um, but again, both were true freshmen last year. There's still a lot to learn about both. Uh, Jaden Daniels is the dual threat. Um, just a magician. One of those guys who has these long arms and will just kind of like flick his wrist and all of a sudden the ball's flying 60 yards. Um, but at the same time, he's he has the jukes, he has the spins, he has the just straight line speed um, to make plays. So again, you 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 feel really good about that spot. Um, but he's losing Eno Benjamin, his running back, to the draft. Uh, he's losing Brandon Ayuk, his best receiver, to the draft. He's losing Kyle Williams, his second best receiver, to the draft. Losing his tight end, losing. All five linemen, all five starting offensive linemen um, to the draft. That's that's going to be tough. But again, you have this transcendent talent, potentially, um, if things go well at quarterback, can you build enough of an offense around him? Um, and it's up to Marvin Lewis and Herm Edwards to do that. Uh, both guys who I would trust to do that. Uh, defensively, they only lose one defensive lineman, um, one starting linebacker, um, and then uh, one cornerback. So kind of like USC, they're bringing back so much of this defense that uh, it's it's easy to get confident. It's easy to get confident about the defense. There's just question marks all over the offense. And uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. This is where I feel like there's a bit of a separation. Um, again, I don't. Obviously, none of those three teams are flawless. Oregon has a question mark at quarterback. The other two teams, I mean, USC has a question mark with the coaching. Arizona State with the offense outside of the quarterback. Um, but they have enough pieces in place that you feel confident saying, "Hey, they're going to be decent football teams." Um, behind them, it gets a lot tougher. Um, what is Cal um, with Wilcox still there, an up-and-coming coach, but not much support? Honestly, not a whole lot of talent when you look at it. Can you actually make a run at the Pac-12 title um, built the way that Justin Wilcox has built that program? Um, you know, and it's not that he's built it poorly. It's that they don't have the resources. But given where it is, can he take that to the next level Eh, I'm not so sure. Um, Stanford is intriguing. 
You know, they they have uh, David Shaw, potentially the best coach in the Pac-12. You could definitely make that argument. Um, but they're coming off a three and five season, and and you know they they have to kind of pull things together. They aren't losing a whole lot of talent. Um, they're going to be able to mostly run it back. You know, you hope Paulson Adebo bounces back at cornerback. He's a potential first-round pick if he has a season like his freshman year instead of a season like his sophomore year. Um, you know, Cameron Scarlett, their, their big running back, their big bruiser who they kind of built everything around is gone. Um, they'll have at least, I think they'll have three senior starters on the offensive line, though. They'll bring back the entire offensive line. Um, Colby Parkinson, the tight end, is gone, who is a big part of the offense. Um, but for the most part, you know, Walker Little is coming back at left tackle. I I feel good about this team. Um, KJ Costello is headed to Mississippi State to play with Mike Leach, the, the quarterback. That means Davis Mills is going to pretty much take the reins of this offense. He played pretty well last year uh, when Costello was hurt. Wasn't perfect, but played well. Um, he will, he's a very highly touted recruit. I, I believe he was the number one recruit uh, in his quarterback class. Um, and he was, yeah, so he was top-ranked quarterback overall by a bunch of places, uh, top-ranked pro-style pocket passing, looking at different places. And this is that Tua Tagovailoa recruiting class, the Jake Fromm recruiting class. Uh, so he has that pedigree. Um Maybe didn't look like uh, a, a, a like the best quarterback in his recruiting class when he played last year, um, but still looked good. Still looked like a good quarterback. So uh, a lot of the team is going to kind of go by how he goes. Um, I think that Stanford bounces back, though. I think that they are your fourth best team in the Pac-12. Um, just because you trust David Shaw to get things right, because you trust the veterans on that team, um, and because they have a quarterback who not only are you like, okay, they they have a guy, you can get excited about um, somebody like Davis Mills. Um, moving on from there, again, it's wide open. Um, Cal is in that conversation. Washington, if they had kept Chris Peterson, I think would be very much in that conversation. Uh, Utah. What is Utah? Um, Colorado, Arizona. Uh, you know, I, I think that you probably go Utah next, but they scare me. I and mean, it scares me to put them too high. It also scares me to rank them too low. Utah was very good last year. Um, finished ranked top 10, um, all that stuff. You followed along, you saw what they did to Colorado. Um, but they lose Tyler Huntley, their senior quarterback. Uh, they lose Zach Moss, their senior running back. Uh, they lose their left tackle. They lose Lakai Fotu, uh, John Pensanini, and Bradley Ine. Three of their four starters along the defensive line. Fotu and Ine should both be third round, fourth round picks, somewhere on there probably. Um, they lose... Two of their three linebackers, they lose three of their four starters. No, I think, that, no, they lose all four of their starters in the secondary. So this whole defense is essentially being replaced.
replaced. Um, you're bringing back a linebacker. You're bringing back a defensive lineman. Um, and they're like guys who rotate in who will still be around and that kind of stuff. But there will be some holes to be filled that this was kind of the year that Utah was building toward, and we just don't know what's behind them. You know, they, they should have the talent to take advantage. Um, but you're losing your face on offense. You're losing pretty much your entire defense, which is your identity. Um, and it's tough even to put Utah this high, but when they're coming off the season they came off of, I mean, it feels weird to put them behind Stanford after seeing what we saw last year. Um, they were 8-1 and one in conference play. They were... Three and two in other games. Um, I don't know. I think that. I think that really nothing would surprise me with Utah if if they're one of the bottom tier teams. You say, yeah, you lost half of your team um, and a bunch of really important players. Uh, you you look at them at the top and you say, well, I mean, that's what they did last year. So they're tough to predict. But I'm going to slot them in right there um, behind Oregon, USC, Arizona State, and Stanford. Um, next up is Cal. Again, I think that this is mostly because I have faith in Justin Wilcox. I think that this Cal program is going to be a lot better than it should be over the next five years or so, um, given the the money that they have like the state of the budget up there um, just because Justin Wilcox is that good of a coach um, bringing back the quarterback bringing back the running back um, bringing back their entire offensive line basically this will be the same offense as it was last year you know they they, they do lose some of their big guys on the defensive line uh, they lose Evan Weaver who's going to the NFL um, they lose a couple guys in the secondary it, it's a pretty typical turnover though um, this isn't a team that you're looking at like, oh yeah, they're bringing everybody back. It's not one we're saying they're being ravaged. Um, they don't have a lot of talent. It's just a good, well-coached football team. And that's why you expect the guys to, who are asked to step in, to step in and handle their job the way they're supposed to. Uh, so they'll slot in number six here. And that's where we're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about our friends at Green Mountain Dental, which is going to be one of my first stops, I really hope, when uh, this whole thing ends. There are a couple things that you just can't take care of by yourself, um, and I think that a lot of people are going to realize that over the next however long we're all trapped inside. Um, teeth are one of them. The hair is definitely one of them. I was supposed to get my hair cut today. Uh, obviously, couldn't do that. Um I don't know what I'm going to do. Like if I'm not getting my hair cut every couple weeks, like I need to, like it's just going to get really bad. I haven't shaved in a while either, but that's something I could take care of. But I just feel like it goes with the look. Um, so yeah, take care of your teeth. And if you take care of your teeth, they'll take care of you. You know, if you go in there, schedule your x-ray cleaning um, exam, then you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush it's a great deal. Just mention DNVR. And, you know, again, I think that once we all live through whatever's happening now, uh, we're all going to want to take a trip to the dentist. Um, so so do that. Um, back in, though, to football. 
Uh, there are some really interesting teams coming up here in this next tier. Um, again, I do think that this is another one of those little separators. Um, you know, Washington. What is Washington? If Chris Peterson is still um, running that program, I think that they probably slot in a little bit higher, maybe even right here. Um, the options run a little bit thin. You know, you can make the argument for Colorado in this defense. You can make an argument for Arizona. You know, they're losing Khalil Tate, but I, th- I think I think you could make an argument for sure that he was kind of holding that team back. And he shouldn't have been. He should have been one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12, but he wasn't. And uh, now they get to get a fresh start. You know, it's kind of like Steven Montez. Um, where Steven probably should have been better. The Buffs should have won more games with him, but they didn't. And I think a lot of people are kind of happy that there's a fresh start now. Um, I'm going to go with Washington. Um, UCLA is also in this conversation. But the reason I go with Washington is because it's kind of a blue blood program. Um They've they've had a lot of success. They had a down year, disappointing year last year. It wasn't really expected. Um, thought that they'd finish a lot better than four and five. And they lose Jacob Eason. I think he's a little bit overrated. He's a better prospect than he is actual quarterback, actual college quarterback. They bring back the running back. They're going to lose Hunter Bryant to the draft. Um, he's leaving early, losing Aaron Fuller. Actually, he's leaving on time, but I bet he gets drafted as well. Um, losing a few pieces of the offensive line. But these are the types of talents, like you just kind of expect Washington to have to replace three guys who go to the draft every year. Um, you know, defensively, Miles Bryant is graduating. Um, they're losing a linebacker as well. So there's going to be some turnover, but the way Washington recruits, it should be fine. The question is just whether this team can be what it was when Chris Peterson was the coach because he did a great job there and he's now moving into his more executive type role at Washington. I actually saw him down in Vegas. He was sitting right in front of me for one of the games, uh, the Washington game, actually. Um, it was kind of fun to just see him sit there and watch basketball. But uh, yeah, uh, some question marks, but again, Blue Bud program. Do you expect them to kind of finish around here? So we'll give him number seven. Uh, eight, we're going Colorado. Um, again, question marks when you're looking at Colorado. You see the quarterback. Um, you see the coaching change, um, the ill-timed coaching change, uh, losing LaVisca Chenault, um, losing two pieces of the offensive line plus your offensive line coach. Uh, then you go to the defensive side of the ball. Um, lose Delrick Abrams, who held down one of those cornerback spots. You know, a lot of talent coming in behind him, but you're losing a senior. Um, you you kind of patched your hole at safety last year with Mikhail Onu. Still struggled with that other safety spot. Now Onu's gone, and you're going to have to get two guys who can play back there. Um, you know, you like Darian Rakestraw. You like what he did. Um but as your best of two safeties, he's got to take a step forward um, because that's where he's projected to be. 
Um, you know, Mark Perry, where is he going to go? Could he fall back to the back end of the defense? Um, there's a lot to like, especially defensively, but the question marks offensively are still there. Question marks defensively, too. You know, you can make the argument that those last few games were kind of fluky. I wouldn't. I'm totally bought in, but if we're grading all these teams on the same scale, um, the scale that outsiders are going to use, then I think that this is probably right around where Colorado falls. If you put them ahead of Washington, ahead of Stanford, I could see that. If you put them behind UCLA and Dorian uh, Thompson Robinson's I got those out yet. DTR, that's the right order. Uh, he, like his his UCLA squad, he's coming into his third year. He could be ready to take a step forward. Chip Kelly still at the reins of that program. Um, there's a lot to like there. You could say that they're ahead of Colorado. Um, I don't think I don't think you'd say Arizona's ahead of Colorado. Um, Washington State, I doubt it. Definitely not with uh, Leach leaving. I I think I told the story of Nick Rolovich. Um, being in Vegas, but that's kind of how I see that stacking up. So Colorado slots in at eighth, and uh, next up we're going to go with UCLA. Um, again, there's some projection there, um, as there will be with a lot of these teams, and that's what kind of separates. Washington State, um, losing your quarterback, losing your coach, Brian Nikrolovich, not, you know, I mean, they've been successful, but there isn't nearly as much to like with that team. Uh, same thing with Oregon State. Had a bit of a fluky year. You know, Jake Luton, he played better than expected as the Beavers' quarterback, but he's gone now. And so now they have the same quarterback troubles that a lot of this conference is going to have. Um, so you can't really put them up much higher. Like that upside is just there with UCLA that, you know, it, it isn't there with those other teams. Um, so digging into UCLA, just kind of briefly, um, like I said, you like Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's going into his junior year. They lose Josh Kelly, their big, bruising running back. Um, but they have some talent. Again, UCLA recruiting um, LA. You get a lot of the skill position guys. You get a lot of running backs, receivers, um, and a lot of quarterbacks and safeties. Uh, so, so they should be pretty set there. Um, lose a receiver, not necessarily a big-name receiver. Lose Devin Asiasi, the tight end who's a big-time draft prospect, and bring back four or five starters on the offensive line. Um, defensively, they lose all three linebackers. Um, they lose Darnay Holmes, who's going to uh, the draft early, um, but they keep the rest. So there's some turnover there. There's a lot of projection on the part of that offense, especially missing a couple of important pieces next year. But at least you can say, hey, DTR is supposed to be a big deal. He didn't take the jump we wanted him to take last year, but this year could be the year he does that. Um, and that's why they fit into ninth. Um, then you go to 10th, and 10th is going to be Washington State. Um, again, new head coach, um, but you like a lot of the roster. I actually kind of like Nick Rolovich, but it's tough to win in your first year. Um, lose a quarterback. Uh, bring back Max Borgie. He's going to be the focal point of that offense. Um, you only lose two starters along the offensive line. 
Um, you bring back all, no, I guess Desmond Patton is graduating. Um, so, so you bring back almost all of your receivers. You're missing one. Then defensively, you're not, I mean, you're losing a couple guys, but they were guys you're kind of willing to lose. Um, so again, there's some projection there too, saying that they're going to be any good, but they're going to slot in next, uh, leaving two spots left, Arizona, Oregon state, tough to pick um we're gonna go with arizona in front of oregon state just because there's the chance that cool tate really was holding them back um as crazy as that sounds but again that's kind of what we've been saying um at colorado is that steven was a good quarterback he held colorado back though um they aren't losing all that much but they didn't really have all that much to lose, if we're being totally honest. I do like J.J. Taylor, the running back. Um, he's going to the draft, though, so that's it for talent. Uh, they're going to be 11th. Then we're going to jump to Oregon State, 12th. Um, losing Jake Luton, who uh, graduated, not not really a draft prospect, outplayed what he was supposed to, but he's gone. Um Losing some receivers, um, losing a lot of the offensive line, uh, some defensive pieces. Again, they won games that they shouldn't have. It was kind of like the veteran wins where they stick with teams and they pull it out because they know how to play good football, but they have all that much talent. I guess I, I do like Jamar Jefferson, the running back, but the Pac-12 is a conference full of running backs, and he's not... I mean, you like Jamar Jefferson, you like Alex Fontenot. Um, actually, I'd probably even put Fontenot ahead of him. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. There's a quick look around the Pac-12 heading into next football season. Um, just good stuff to keep in mind. And if you have friends, well, I guess we're not allowed to see friends anymore because everybody's sick. But uh, next time you see your friends, you can talk crap about the Pac-12, maybe just a little bit more educated. If you guys have different thoughts on this, let me know. Because um, some of these are pretty tough to place, especially teams without quarterbacks, especially teams changing coaches, um, Utah missing the entire defense. I don't know. Feel free to leave in the comment section. We'll get to those tomorrow um, on the next DNVR Buffs podcast, and I'm excited to talk to you then. All right. See you tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And boat is where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Middle of the 
ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holla, get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 